Today, we are talking about remembering. And uh, you, we are all part of the body of Christ. Yet, I find in our culture, not in the, at the way, but in, in Western civilization, how easy it is becoming for us to be dismembered from the body. And I just need you to understand biblical truth that is so dangerous for what the mission of the church was designed to be. We must be remembered. We must be together. We must be one. We must be whole. And uh, it will be my anthem. And it's what's going on in the last several weeks, months, really last year. But it's been very obvious. Me and my wife every week leaving church and talking to each other throughout the week and staff talking to each other. It has been obvious that there is a current in our church that is going deeper. It's like God is here. God is moving. God's doing something. And I just want to be clear about what God's doing next. It's going to look different for some of you. And I don't want you to get left behind in this wonderful current that God is leading us in. So I'm going to read this verse to you, and I want you to know that I believe this message is going to start off easy and land a little difficult for some of you. And that's okay, because I still love you. And um, praise the Lord. Cool. 1 John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. So now, can you all stand with me for the reading of God's word? So now, this is our Savior Jesus saying this. I am giving you a new commandment. Notice it's not a suggestion. Love each other. Nope. Let me be more clear. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. For your love for one another will prove to this world that you are my disciples. Man, that's pretty neat. Father, Jesus, help. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, guys, uh, our love for each other will prove to this world that we're his disciples. I want you to know the mission of our church is not to make Christians, it's to make disciples. And so if this is your church, I hope that you consider yourself a disciple. What is a disciple, pastor? It is a student of Jesus, someone that will eventually be a, a teacher of Jesus, someone who is both a student and a teacher of Jesus, because you never graduate to only becoming a teacher. Hey, can I get an amen from someone? Hey, we're always still students. We're always still following Jesus's leadership in our life, but it is our sole mission not that we're great dads or moms or, or, or co-workers or leaders of companies, but we're great followers of the Lord. And in doing so, we become great parents, CEOs, leaders, developers, whatever it is that God would have you be. Does that make sense? And Jesus is saying that if the world is going to know who you are, it's going to happen by the way you love each other. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to Peter He's talking to James, he's talking to John, he's talking to Bartholomew, he's, talk, he's talking to Thomas, he's talking to disciples. Church, he's talking to you. And he's saying the way that you look, let's just look around the room for a second. I wonder, is there someone in this room outside of the person you came in with that you'd be guilty of people out there knowing that you're passionate about that person? Because the way that we care about each other is supposed to, this, organ, this organism called the church, 
This organization, as some would call it, is supposed to operate and look so different than the way this world works. We are supposed to be all in protecting each other. Hell or high water, I got your back. I am in your life. The way we do it, I believe, I'm good. See you next week. That's not love. That's not fulfilling the commandment of loving one another, and it will never fulfill the commission of making sure that the world knows the church is different. Remember, Jesus said, I want to build my church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to make sure that this place can stand the test of anything. And that's got to have the way we operate has to look different. There's something that's new that's happening in our church, and it is the way we care about one another. Do you have a friend at our church? Have you met and mingled and done dinner and broke bread? Have you traded stories in history and past? Because if you don't know where someone else is in the church and what they're going through, it's going to be hard to love them. You can like them. You can even enjoy them. But if I don't feel what you feel, we don't have love for each other. Maybe that's my version of love. I'm going to show it to you here in scripture. Y'all ready for this? Cool. All right. So uh, Jesus is going to say this in John 17 minutes before he would be arrested in John 17, 20, verse 20 through 23. He said, I'm not praying. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So he's saying, I'm not just praying for these 12, but for every 12 that's coming after. Let me just ask you if you would, if you consider yourself one of the 12 that came after that 12, if you consider yourself a disciple, will you stand with me real quick so I can read a prayer that Jesus prayed right before he died? You consider yourself a disciple. I want you to, I want it to land differently. I'm praying for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they, all of you in this room will be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. But may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Do you understand the mission? I I need them to be one so the world will know. He doesn't say this once. This is happening again and again. And more importantly, it's right before he's about to die. So he's getting serious about what he wants to see happen. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. The glory he's referring to is the Holy Spirit. I want you to know in and of ourselves, we don't have much in common. But what we do have in common is we love him. We love the Holy Spirit. We love what God's doing in our lives. And he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one. I am them and you and me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you loved me. Can you hear what Jesus is saying? God, you love me. I pray that they are so unified like me and you that everyone in this world knows how much, how crazy about me you were so that they'd know how much I love them. Church, the way we love each other is crucial. Y'all can have a seat real quick. 
I want you to hear that prayer. I want you to feel it in your bones because I think it's significant to everything else that's about to come in this message. What would it look like for complete unity in the body of Christ? We have so much to disagree on. We have so much that's different about each other. But he designed us to be unified. So it was really weird as this was the message that I was going to give you. And then um, something happened yesterday that was pretty rad. We're in prayer as we always are on Saturday mornings. I'd invite you to come and hang out with us and pray as we intercede for what God's doing in our church and in our families. Uh, But we were interceding yesterday and uh, there were multiple prophecies that came in all at the same time within our church. And they were all through the word of God. And it started with um, one of the elders of our church. He's not here right now because he doesn't love God as much as all of you guys. No, that's not true. That's not true. He's about to come. He's a second service. And so anyways, he's leading a connect group, but his name is Ted. Ted, his name is church. So I mean, you know, you know, he loves the Lord. You know what I mean? Come on. Anyways, uh, so Ted was sitting right where uh, Greg is at and he got a word yesterday and it it said this. He said, I just want to share this with you. I just feel like God's saying, and I don't really know what's happening, but... uh, you got to hear it. And it came from Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And it was the Apostle Paul writing it to a small church in Coloss that were called the Colossians. And he says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea. And for many other believers whom have never met me actually personally. I love that. That he's grieved over people he doesn't even know. Uh, Lacey, can you turn the AC on? Because I'm like dying up here. It's going to be brutal. Um, I want them. It's great when the fire of God is in your church. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. uh, I want them to be encouraged. This is Paul's prayer. I want them to be encouraged. Yeah. And knit together by strong ties of love. This is what Paul's praying that the church looks like. I want you to be knit together. What would it look like for us to be unified with perfect unity? What would it look like for us to be knit together in strong ties of loves? I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. And I just want to stop there for a second and say this as Lacey comes. It's funny how he says God's mysterious plan. Because I don't care who you are in this room. You're going to go through a season where you may have awesome knowledge, but you're going to realize that God's plan is always mysterious. (laughs) And it takes sitting with someone else who's going through a tough season sometimes to realize that you don't know as much as you think you know. That's good theology right there. (laughs) Anyways, at the same time that Ted was there, Lacey was at home praying for us. And she posted something for us to know. And it was a powerful scripture It's a little salty. Okay. So this is 2 Kings 2, verse 19. The men of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and he and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained wholesome to this day, according to the word Elisha has spoken. Thank you. 
that word was really for our church and the way that we need to move forward doing ministry. Um, but it really pertained to what's going on here. We're saying that in order for this body of water to bring healing to this land that's coming, they put salt in it, which is actually the opposite effect naturally. If you think about things, salt is actually gonna, that's going to kill most of the plants. But um, I want you to know that salt, while it can bring great healing, um, and it preserves and adds great flavor, it also burns and is quite bitter. And what we're asking you to do as a church in order for us to make sure that you are filled with fruit and you're bearing fruit for Jesus and the world looks at you and knows that Jesus is Lord because of the way you love the bride of Christ and the way you're, I mean, they just, I never seen someone love people like you. Well, you gotta get a little salty because here's what I've learned in mingling with Christians. A lot of Christians love Jesus, don't love his bride. A lot of Christians love Jesus, but don't love his church. They don't like, they don't feel comfortable hanging out with other Christians. They're weird and they're different and they're not like me. Anyone want to be honest here? I don't, pastor, I've done those things called connect groups before and man, it was awkward. There's people in there that were not like me. They didn't talk like me and they were just different. Sometimes they smell, sometimes they're weird. Sometimes they got so much money, they're just, they're, they're full of themselves. Sometimes they just got so much theology that they're full of themselves. Sometimes that person has some really bad theology, pastor, and they shouldn't be in a connect group because they should have been vetted before they got there. There's a lot of reasons why connect groups go back. But the reason why they work is called grace. The reason why they work is because we realize we weren't there by suggestion. We were there by commitment. We were there to be with one another. And life was going to teach us the reason. See, what you don't realize is that you need some salt in your life. You need people to rub you the wrong way. You, I don't know if you know, but I love the, the, the statement that people have said that when we get into heaven, there's going to be a lot of different denominations that are there. There's going to be some different theologies that are there. I didn't realize it was, I mean, scripture was, was, was different than what I saw it a little bit, you know? I don't know. Me and my wife are one, and we don't even see the scripture the same way sometimes. You know, that's real marriage talk right there. You'll, you'll learn. Uh, uh, there's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it, you are supposed to be with people that rub you the wrong way. Me and my wife are completely different. And God paired her with me for me. He made the church to make you feel uncomfortable. James said, this is wrong religion. That if you meet with people and there's a wealthy person that comes into your, into your, and sits at your table and you make the poor person feel less than, you got your religion all wrong. Ooh, I love that. What's that say about my heart? Jesus would say it this way. He said, I was, I was with you guys and I want to praise you because I was in prison and you came and visited me. I was hungry and you came and fed me. I was thirsty and you came and gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. You did a great job. But there's some others who thought their religion was about them or when I was alone, you never visited me. And when I was hungry, you never fed me. And when I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. And when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And so I'm glad that you've come to the mental realization that you don't need a connect group. 
you just missed the whole gospel. It's not about your understanding. You were designed and God made you healthy for me. Because you don't know the brokenness in my life. Maybe you can't be honest with what your broken places are or maybe you just don't see them. But he designed you to meet a need, to sit at a table of people that are going through broken things. I got multiple phone calls from friends in this body this week that said their marriage is in a terrible spot. You know what we need? People that can admit that. I got phone calls. I, I, I'm praying for Ashley right now. Ashley Conklin. She's in the worst place probably in her life right now. Her dad has stage four cancer and he's about to pass away. Billy's a great man of God and it's confusing. Like she doesn't know. He, he's having a hard time. Everything. You need to be surrounded with people like that sometimes. Because God's plan is mysterious. And Jesus is still the resurrection and the life. And sometimes you just got to feel what they feel. You don't have to have an answer for it. But she wasn't meant to do this alone. Groups sometimes aren't for you. They're for me. But when you don't need me, what does that say about us? It's like an orphan children. Like we don't need our children or we don't need our parents or we don't need family. Jesus designed us to be one because we need each other. But what the enemy does is, yeah, you don't go to connect groups, not because you don't like them or not, because just because you're busy. We're so busy building our kingdom that we forgot that the kingdom and the mission that we signed up for was bigger than what we could build with our own hands. It's the greatest mission on earth to build the kingdom. To, no, 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 I'm sorry. I said that completely wrong. To partner with God in building his kingdom. He's allowing me to represent him on this earth. That's crazy. That's bonkers. Is this good so far? All right, cool. I have to keep going. I got more. This is just getting started. So while God was speaking to Lacey, the Lord was speaking to my wife about something that was also pretty salty and um, about a current that's moving in our church and something that's flowing. And I have the verses right here for you, babe, all printed out and organized just like you like it. And, uh, Thank you. Because y'all know how organized I am. <laughs> hey, how many of you uh, would love to hear uh, Teresa speak more in our church? Right. She doesn't believe me when I say this, but she's now she wants me to shut up. Go ahead, Trey. <laughs> All right. It's from Ezekiel, so you know it's from the Lord because I don't really just head over to Ezekiel for my daily reading, but <laughs> Ezekiel 47, 1, and then verses 8 through 12. It says, In my vision, the man brought back to the entrance of the temple. There I There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple, and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Then he said to me, The river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, 
and all the way from Engedi to Eneglium. Southeastern students, help me. <laughs> the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of every kind will grow along both sides of the river, and the leaves of these trees will never turn, br turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be the food and the leaves for healing. When she said that yesterday, the power of God was so here, it was like, man. And the part that was cool was the river was coming from the temple. And it was coming from the church. And it was bringing healing to broken places. And it was moving through salty, dead areas and revitalizing everything. But I love the part when uh, she was sharing with me when we were at home about how there are places that this current will not go. And there are marshes that are on the sides of this river that's going to flow through it. And they're not going to produce life. Because what I'm telling you is what we've been hearing and the verbiage that we've been actually using as a church is that it feels a lot like there's a current. Have, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, does it feel like service is just happening? Like, man, it's like, we don't have to try. God's just here and he's moving. And it's been awesome. And it's been cool to hear some of the powerful testimonies. But when she said about how the marshes will not produce fruit, they will not be purified. It makes me wonder how many people are going to stay in church and not flow in the current. Like this is where God's moving, but you're not going to notice it. Y'all hear me? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be in the current. I want to grow. And you need to know the vision of your church is for you to not grow alone. You got to be part of the people. All right. And so this is um, the last verse that I have for you. Is this good so far? Do you understand this? So uh, it was weird. So my wife got that word and, 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 and Lacey got that word and then Ted got that word. And at the same time, normally when I come to prayer, some of you guys see me at prayer before, I'm a pacer, right? I'm a, uh, oh, Jesus, we're going to, and I, I walk up and down here and, and I don't know, but something happened yesterday when I walked in, it was like I got stuck right there and I put my face down on a chair and I didn't move and God just started, like I was praying and it was, it was pretty neat. I put my head down and 45 minutes later, my wife came over and said, hey, we're done. And I was like, wait, that was, I thought that was like two and a half minutes. And I only heard one verse the whole time. And it was like, I could see this as a problem in our community. I need you guys to lean in on this for a second. Y'all have heard this verse before. This is Jesus having a conversation right uh, with, with his disciples. This is Peter uh, saying, uh, you know, we know that you're the Messiah. You're, you're, you're the son of God. And, uh, and, and, you know, Jesus has to eventually rebuke Peter. And they're having this, this wonderful conversation. It's powerful. And right after this, this is what our Savior says to his disciples, which is, Right? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way. Take up your cross 
and follow me. If you want to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up on your life for my sake, you will save it. For what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but yet you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with all of his angels in glory, of, with the glory of his Father, and he will judge all the people according to their deeds. And I, I, I think that that's crucial because we get this idea that like, I'm good, you're good, everything's good, let's go about on our way. And there is a judgment coming because he's blessed us. And so if you're as good as you say you are, and you need to know you're responsible now for being as good as you are. Like teachers of the word have more responsibility than those that don't know the word. Because I know now I have a responsibility to teach. And so if you know the Lord, you have a responsibility to share. So let me tell you what the Lord says here in the beginning part of this. I thought it was fascinating. He said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way and take up the cross and follow me. And as I was face down yesterday praying over our church, what I was realizing is that many of us have decided to serve the Lord our way. We've invited Jesus into our life to do our activities, to go about my business and the way I do family and the way I do uh, sports or the way I do community or the way, and Jesus is going to come along and my life is not going to be carrying a cross. Jesus did that for me. So I'm just going to go and serve the Lord and life's going to be easy. I'm blessed. I'm good. Things are good. And what I hear the scripture saying, maybe I'm wrong, but Jesus says, hey, um, I died for you. But you got a cross you got to carry too. You're going to have to die to the way you do things if you want to follow me. I don't know if you get this or not, but when you decided to follow Jesus, you're not the one leading anymore. You're following. And that's a crucial revelation to understand that the way we do life, the way we do church, it's supposed to look different. I say all that to say this. I don't want to look like church in America. Amen. I want to look like church in Scripture, where people met together in their homes and broke bread together and gave up their possessions to meet those that had needs around them, people that had friends and deep love and affection for one another. Man, listen, there's a lot of things we don't have in common. We don't have the same kind of bank accounts. We don't drive the same kind of cars. We don't have the same taste in movies, in music, and some of us won't see theology the same way. And that's okay. But what we will have in common is we will all love Jesus because of what he's done for me and for you and for us. And we will all love what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And we will all recognize that we have the same need for Jesus to move and the same desire to be used by God. And we will have the same love for the church as one another. And we will have the same love for the bride of Christ as one another. And that is what we'll have in common. We'll all have grace in common. And it'll cause, like, look, 
The kingdom of heaven is going to be surrounded with people of different nations, tribes, and tongues, different backgrounds and bank accounts. We were designed to be different. So if someone in your connect group rubs you the wrong way, that's a glorious thing that's happening in your life. It's actually iron sharpening iron, and it's good for you. I think we have to get back to what the church was supposed to look like. You have to understand, this is his bride. We were designed to do it together. So, God's been moving in our church. And uh, I've been so thankful for it. It's been a momentum that's been here that's just rad. But I don't want anyone to deceive ourselves thinking that we can just come and go. I, I love you. But that's not the gospel of Jesus. That's not his desire for his church. He didn't die for a church that lukewarm. He died for a radical church, people that loved each other and wanted to see people saved daily. And so um, what we'll be doing is, is groups. Um, we're going to be meeting together because I firmly believe that you'll grow more in a circle than you will here on a Sunday. You just need to know this is more important than you think. And if you've got it together, then great. Then come lead. 